If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 27. My name is Sunchman. Joining me is Cinderin. How are you this evening slash morning? <laughs> this intro fits perfectly for how I'm feeling today. That's great. Now, what is wrong with uh, you? Why can't you wake up at a normal hour like a normal human being? For God's sake! I feel like this is reco- this is becoming a recurring theme after we started doing the podcast one hour earlier because of time change. But today is an extreme case, and I just don't know why. Out of the last three times, this is the time that I slept the longest, and I feel the most like death. And I just yeah, it's weird. I don't want to complain too much, though. I just want to get started. But if you look me deep in the eyes, if you're watching the video for this, you will see that there's nothing there right now. That's fine. I can still talk. So yeah, He can still have a conversation with me. It doesn't take yeah. much to have a convo with me. Right? Yeah. Uh, before we get started... brain capacity for this. Let's, let's go over the reviews for the week. Uh, which ones do you want to take, buddy? We got four to read. Uh, I'll take the two in the middle. Yep. Okay. Do it to it. All right, we got um, love from Brunei from Joeza from the Philippines. Wait, where is Brunei actually? I have no idea. I have heard about this, but I don't know where it is exactly. Will you just read the review? Uh, this is interesting. <laughs> Hang on. This is live content right now. It is. It's you important can't just look to know things where up. things are. Okay, it's there. Right. Okay. Uh, Suns fan, you think Suns Hold will on. get in the finals? You just said it's there. What? Where is there? You're not going to stop the podcast and not no, say. You didn't care about it. You wanted me to keep <laughs> going. So now I'll just whatever. You can look it up yourself. Um, <sighs> you think Suns will get in the finals? Love the podcast. I listen to it in YouTube, Spotify, now in this Apple podcast, whatever it's called, to support. <laughs> Love the rants. Keep them coming. Love you, Sinno Cappy. You've been begging for reviews. So here it is. Yeah, we're, we're begging. Begging. Really please, begging. Please. If anybody's begging for reviews at Sunspam, I'm telling you guys to be honest. And he's saying, give it five stars or we will ban you from our service. That's not um, what I said. I said I won't read them. So there's no point. <laughs> Next one is from the Cookie Monsters from the United States of America. Okay, let's look up where that is. Okay. <laughs> um, he says, "Great esports podcast. Big fan of all things Dota. Sin, big of all things Dota. Cinnamon for many years now. That nobody has ever written my name like that before, and nobody ever will again." Um, the cast of the show features both a professional Counter-Strike player and a professional so Dota 2 player, allowing for funny. a highly unique and interesting perspective into the world of esports. My only gripe with the show is the fact that only that one of the hosts, Suns fan, gets mad at American viewers over their pronunciation of the phrase ESL hamburger helper, <laughs> even though he is literally the sole reason half the Dota community pronounces it bad and wrong. True. 
Having said that, I still read this podcast five horse heads out of five horse heads. P.S. I'm still a little upset that I was recently tricked into watching the Hero Spotlight video for Death Prophet. Oh, man, that one was bad. I did it in an, a weird voice because I was sick. This was, And I was on a bad microphone, too. It was just oh. this gravelly old hag voice. It was, <laughs> you guys want to watch it. Uh, Why would you ever do that? I thought it was funny, but I mean, I still think it's funny, honestly. But I understand that other people don't think it's funny, so it's mostly just complaints, as usual, anytime I try to do anything. Anywho, thank you for your reviews. Uh, we have CM Aura 23 from the United States of America. Love the podcast. You guys are a great combo and very entertaining. Love that it comes out frequently. My personal request is to keep up the NBA talk, please. Every podcast, we need a Suns slash NBA check-in. The Suns deserve this. I agree. Unfortunately, Cindern offers nothing into this subject, so... Maybe I just I need do. to come out with this own podcast. In its no, entirety. this is this is wrong. So when it, when there's content and somebody doesn't really know anything about what's being talked about, they actually offer a really interesting and unique perspective of that of an outsider with no knowledge. That also has value. Because then when you talk about stuff and you're super hyped about it, I can say, get down to fucking earth. That's boring. Or I can be like, okay, that actually is interesting. True. And since a lot of our viewers or listeners don't know anything about basketball, just like me, I can be the voice of reason. <laughs> There you go. All right. And Very the final useful. review is from Goo Lakers. Ugh. I think it's uh, Go Lakers. <laughs> no, I'm not. I will never say Go Lakers. It's Goo Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> the Lakers don't deserve to go anywhere except for the fucking dumpster. Best NBA podcast. Although, why do you keep bringing on this Cinder and guy? He clearly is completely clueless about basketball. I agree. I wanted to say a few things about DeAndre Ayton. Number one, a diuretic is more for making you pee a lot although it can occasionally make you poo. Good to know. But I get this feeling Cinderin thinks it's a laxative given its name, which it's not. Learn something but today. You Cinderin. told me. Why is this my fault? I said it flushed things out of your system. I didn't specify which I mean, the, orifice kind of it came ways, out of. Right? Number that's two, both. drug detection isn't hasn't gotten any better, but they seem... Or sorry, they set minimum detection amounts to reduce false positives. So the players would never agree to remove them. And that's the only way to change drug policy via the collective bargaining agreement, which only changes every few years. Number three, with Aiton, he claims he accidentally took a diuretic, but it did but did not take any PEDs. And apparently the test results did not show any amount of PEDs. But for his appeal, it doesn't matter whether he took them or not, since diuretics are just banned. He has to provide strong evidence. He unknowingly took it. Also, fun fact, Aiden is the first NBA player to be caught taking a diuretic. I didn't know that one, but Let's, it makes sense because oh, no, it's right. a very harsh suspension, which, by the way, Cinderin, update on that. There's no update on that. He's still suspended. Gotcha. So. But okay. if you took it... No, never mind. That's a really bad joke. Go on. Please. I would love to hear it, Cinderin. No, it's too bad. <laughs> too bad. Wow. For this podcast? Are you sure? Okay. Uh, before we get started, uh, Cinder and I have talked. There was actually a small little cuddly Reddit thread asking us when we're doing A to Z challenge next. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do exactly A to Z. We might do AGS A to Z. We have to discuss the specifics, but we want to do it again. And I thought a nice time to relaunch it would be when the Outlanders patch comes out. So everything's fresh. I mean, even if we did it now, technically all the heroes are like a lot different, but I feel like the Outlanders patch, there's, I mean, it's, only a couple weeks away, so we'll just wait for Yeah, that. and that's going to be new content in the form of two heroes, right? They're both coming in the same patch. Yes, that is correct. As far as I know. The old hag and the purple guy. Can't wait. All right, let's get started with the Dota 2 portion of the podcast. Team Secret has made some changes, my friend. Mid-1 is now out, 
Sunby is now out. That's their coach. Uh, they've been replaced. And I guess the notable one, of course, bringing in Matamba Man, which Matamba Man will go play the one position. And who's their, who's their one right now? Is it Nisha? Yeah. He's going to go mid. What do you think about these yeah. changes? Uh, I think Matamba Man is super good. And I think he is a great person to have in your team from the read I have of him. He's just, you know, a nice, jolly guy. Plays really good Dota. Um, I think he is a good pairing for Nisha, where uh, what Secret did last season was they had mid one play these like hybrid active mids a lot of the time uh, because Nisha is a true carry in their system, the way they play the game. Um, so there's two options for what they do here. Either they work things, uh, they change things up a little bit, and they have Matu play true carry, which I don't really think is his biggest strength, playing heroes like Arc Warden or Anti-Mage, um, but just to name as a couple of examples. Uh, but Nisha is really good at playing with a lot of farm, so perhaps they will try to build this in a way where Matu plays his like really core strength, which is extremely space-making position one, uh, that doesn't mean he doesn't farm, but he's super good at, at playing aggressively with heroes that have a, a long leash, like Lifestealer or Timbersaw. Uh, some of the stuff that made Liquid win TI7. Um, his hero pool is very interesting, and I think that's something Puppy values a lot. He can get creative uh, and come up with new strategies. And yeah, just when it comes to the synergy, I think those two, a lot of the time when we talk synergy between cores, it's between the one and two, right? It's... Are they both too greedy? Are they both good complements? And I think these players complement each other, and I think he's a great fit. As far as coaching goes, Heen has been great um, in the past. So, And he's worked with Matu before, so they know each other very well. I, I think this roster could be really, really good. So just to reiterate, mid one, he left on his own accord. He just wants to take a break, right? It wasn't kicked or mm-hmm. anything like that. I uh, think so. I- are you surprised by the delay? It's November 5th. I know players are taking breaks, especially like Team Secret. But mm-hmm. still, this is like two months after the International. More so, actually. More than that. Um, I don't know. Like Maybe you need to work out some, some of the paperwork. You need to... Maybe you want to announce it a bit closer to when the team actually starts playing. Because imagine you announce this in early September, and then the first time you get to see the team in action is like three months later. Mm. Uh, maybe like this, the hype is there when they go into a tournament, people remember and they're excited to see them play. Because I think the first set that Secret will play will be qualifiers in December, I'm going to say, for the next major, probably. Uh, I don't know the exact dates on it, but I, it should be December, I think. So. Yeah, things are pretty good timing. They could have even waited longer, in my opinion, but it's fine. And how, I mean, with only one change, I mean, this is the thing about Secret. They they always change players. It's always pretty drastic every year once they don't do well at the international. Uh, Mid one has been on the roster for quite a while. That's been like the one main, mainstay, I suppose. Do mm-hmm. you think going from position one to two for Nisha is going to be that much of a transition? Because we've talked about going from one position to another can be quite drastic, but the one yeah. to the two isn't that different. I mean, it is obviously, but compared to mm. other roles, maybe not as much. Yeah, I think I think Nisha's biggest advantage in that is that this was the role he played in Kingwin. Um, he started, like, when he got discovered and started getting international attention, he was playing mid uh, for Kingwin, and then Secret chose him to play position one. 
Uh, I think going back to mid is going to be easy for him. He plays both lanes. In, in Secret, and a lot of their strategies, he actually played mid. He would play like mid-morphling in quite a lot of their games. He would play mid-anti-mage sometimes when it was a good game to put that hero mid. So he's completely comfortable with the laning stage and everything that mid entails. In my opinion, the biggest difference between mid and carry is actually not necessarily in the macro gameplay of the game. It's the lane mechanics of how the mid lane plays compared to safe lane with um, very much focus on micro exchanges in this one-on-one matchup with more courier usage, with more rune control uh, in the first like 10 minutes. Once the laning stage breaks down, a lot of strategies, the one and two kind of play the same way sometimes. Um, but yeah, the laning stage for Nisha, is he's he's got that down. So I'm honestly not really concerned about whether he can bring in. I'm sure he will. It's I'm, funny though. I, it just reminded me of like Resolution. His first position was mid, and that's where he was. That's where he kind of made his name. Then when mm-hmm. he came to DC, he just tried out position one because Weha was doing horribly as position one. <laughs> he was throwing okay. every game, so he just started playing. And he just fell in love with. It. Now he only plays position mm-hmm. one. Well, I think until now, right? But until VP, where he now plays position three for some reason, which is random. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting these role swaps and because <clears throat> some he, I feel like some players are successful because of. It's less about mechanics and more about IQ and maybe even personality, just getting along, getting along with your team, making sure that you have the chemistry mm-hmm. needed. Because going from like position one to three, like you're saying, is totally different. Like you can't be that guy that gets all the farm all the time. Position one, totally different. So we'll see if this ends up Speaking working. I mean, like you which, said, it, it hasn't been. How long is it since Kingwin? It's only been like a year or two. Two, I think. Two years, something like that. Yeah, maybe something like that. Um. Speaking of which, what you just said about Rezo, we don't have this written down as a, as a talking point for today, but VP did announce that Save has joined mm-hmm. their roster as a full member, but Epileptic Kid hasn't. And then you can read whatever you want out of that. I think there are two possible options the way I see it. Option number one is they're still not convinced that he's the right fit and they're going to keep trying him out. Option number two is Rezo goes to carry and they get a different offlaner. Right. Because... I th- I honestly I think Rezo has looked he's looked fine on offlane. I just don't think it's his home role. And I think they wanted to give it a shot and see how it goes and try out their players and he wanted to play with VP and he's willing to adjust. But if everything isn't clicking and they feel like change needs to be made, he's probably going to pitch, "Hey man, I can play carry. It's my best role." Uh and we can get a different offlane player. I mean, we that is we a, talked about this early on that that was probably going to happen anyway. Like, I don't understand why you pick somebody up like Resolution and like, would you like to play offlane? Like, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Like, put him in the. I think role it was the other way around. I think he contacted them and said he I would to like change. to try to play offlane for you. I don't. I don't think okay. he said specifically I want to change to offlane. I think he was like, I want to play with VP. I want to play with these two players, and in whatever we will position build possible. while we can. Yes. I okay. think that was how it went down. All right. If that's the case, then that's that doesn't but happen very often, right? It doesn't. That's, that's not a very no. common thing, so that's kind of cool. Okay, moving on. Uh, Dota 2 hits its lower play, lowest player count since 2014. I mean, this is kind of the par for the course, I feel like. It just happens every year after TI, depending on how long it takes for a big patch to come out. People kind of get tired of the game. Uh, I think, which we'll we'll talk about next, the matchmaking probably had something to do with some of the player mm-hmm. base not playing as much anymore because the queues have been so long. Is this something that people should be worried about, or is this just the yearly ritual or mm-hmm. a mix? 
I think rather than be worried about it, I think uh, what? How do I explain this the best? I think my take on this is that numbers like this and data like this is, you know, is bound to get Valve active because we know they're very data driven, and if they see their player base declining, they're obviously going to be considering okay, how, what ways can we? maintain the player base that we used to have at least don't not maybe even look into how to grow it uh we'll see about that but um <clears throat> i think there's a combination of factors that makes this the the lowest number first of all like you said it's post ti but not only is it post ti but we have had no major patch for three months after ti and i think that is kind of rare what usually happens is that the big patch after ti comes out after the first major but this season, the first major has been pushed to later than it was last year, and I think the year before. Um, so obviously, because of that, the patch is late. Uh, a lot of people feel like the gameplay is getting a bit stale because all this, like a lot of the same heroes, get played all the time. Um, then you add on top of that that the report system right now is just, if I can be bluntly honest, really bad. Uh, yeah. Report system is super flawed and needs a flat out rework. Why? Um, because. <clears throat> okay, I could talk about this at length. I'll try to make it short. But whenever you implement a system like this, every system that has human input like this is bound to be misused, right? So your goal when you make these systems is to make the erroneous reports count as little as possible. The problem with this is that it's not how the system works right now. A report counts as a report. So let's say somebody plays techies in the enemy team. And you're like, I fucking hate techies. What an idiot. I'm going to report him for communication abuse, even though he didn't say a single word all game. Mm -hmm. And you get into this like meta where it's almost, it's like the, it's, it spreads like, it's literally a toxin. Okay. So what happens is this avalanche starts. And once this uh, attitude festers in the community, that it gets into this mode where you start reporting people just because then a lot of people will that didn't used to do it will get caught up in this because like, oh, fuck it, man. This is just how it is nowadays, right? So it's a spiral where more and more people end up misusing the system because clearly misusing it does something. And that just incentivizes people to use it incorrectly. And then suddenly you reach a point where a system that, in essence, the report system is good. Like what it wants to do is good, but it's, I think it's failure detection is just not good enough. And the power that people have to misuse it is they shouldn't have to begin with. Um, so I think right now the attitude toward the game and toward reporting is just... I mean, fortunately for me, in, in the bracket that I play and I don't really experience it much, but what I read and what I hear is further down the ranks, it's, it's the worst it's maybe ever been. Um, and it's just people will report for whatever reason they want. The, the thing with techies in the enemy team is one example. Uh, I think one that's maybe even worse, and that's just because I'm a techies hater, is uh, reporting your own teammates, right? If somebody plays a bad game, or you know you get matched against a smurf, and you get destroyed, people hate you, and they want to report you for it. Um, and there's no report category for played bad or got you know god outmatched awful. or something there needs to be one it it the, needs to be satisfying to hit it where it says god fucking awful or the literal mm. worst player i've ever played with. that's <laughs> you know how it's set and then when you click it it says I mean, something that gives you confirmation just mm, just a nice you mm. know there there is some it's something i've thought about like could you make a null category a category that doesn't count but you don't tell just. the community <laughs> 
and the rage reports just go into that one. <laughs> it's the placebo. Uh, the problem right? is, yeah, I just don't think it matters because first of all, I think people that rage report just add all the categories. They just report you for everything because they're like, "Fuck this guy," you know. Right. And the other thing is, um, I don't know if misleading the community like that is a good idea either. Mm. It's a bit, yeah, I don't know. I don't like that. It's a bit too too much lab rat mode, I think. But um, going back to the, the actual patch, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I have to say, in my experience with Dota, this is one of the best patches of all time, if not the best patch. I feel great playing it still personally. But I can understand that it's it's actually funny though if you look back just like ten years from where we are now, this is not something people would normally complain about. Like, think of what they used to do with games, mm-hmm. right? You make it's a game, true. you publish it. That's all you get, guys. The next time you want an mm-hmm. update, it's going to be a version two of this that you have to buy. Cough, Overwatch two, cough, which we'll talk <laughs> about later. That's a whole nother story. But this patch has been really fucking good, and that's the reason they haven't come with major patch. Because it's so freaking good. And obviously it's taking time to get those new heroes and whatnot in. Um, I think <clears throat> I think we're at a point now with games like this where it doesn't matter if the patch is the best of all time. Um, kind of people's attitudes toward online gaming has changed so much in the last years that regular content is a competition parameter. So if you don't regularly update your game, there's another game that will. And that's mm-hmm. where people will go because they want something new and fresh all the time. Yeah, maybe it ties in a bit with what we talked about last episode with like patience and people's uh, desire to delve deep into something that isn't changing. But people always want things to change. Um, and uh, there are plenty of other games <clears throat> that update a lot. Clearly, um, as far as far as Dota goes, I kind of like I like this patch a lot too. I think it's one of the best we've had in a long time. Um, but regardless of which great patch you make. When given enough time, a patch will get figured out. Like we've talked about with Underlords, where it happens a lot faster because of the game's lower level of complexity. Um, in Dota, which is a very complex game, you give the same patch months, people will close in on the figured out state. I still think you can uh, come up with crazy new stuff in Dota right now in the patches it is, but for the vast majority of people and for the patch, it's largely figured out at this point and it needs some spice. Um, and that is going to give a huge boost to the player numbers, of course. If Valve managed to magically, one, improve matchmaking, two, improve the new player experience, three, revamp the report system, and four, drop a bomb-ass patch when it comes out after the major. If they can do all of these four things before the year ends, the player numbers are going to go up by a huge amount. I don't think we're just going to get back to where we left off when this patch started. I think mm-hmm. we'll go above and beyond. Because the problem is people have different issues. If it was just everybody thinks the patch is stale, you fix the patch and people come back. But there are very separate problems that can each kill the enjoyment for the player. And that's a problem. If you had the new player experience be great, you would get an influx of players still, which seems to be pretty rough to get a lot of new players into the game. The report system turns off a lot of people that like playing off-brand heroes like techies probably like it's annoying to get reported and go to low priority for just having fun with the game or um, for playing in a skill bracket where smurfing is relatively rampant and you can get destroyed and just feel bad about losing already and then on mm-hmm. top of it you get fucking dumped that's also got to feel awful um the patch itself you know that that's just general i would say that applies to everybody uh even for myself, right? I play a lot of Dota, but when a new big patch drops, I'm super excited and I just want to get in there and play more. 
Um, and then finally, yeah, what was the fourth thing I said? Was the the cues? So this was actually, <clears throat> I think this transitions into the next talking point we have, which is FastQue. So Valve uh, added something new four days ago called FastQue, and the way the system works is they're trying to they're still trying to find a solution where the problem they're running into. Basically, what started this whole thing? Let's backtrack it a little bit. What started the whole thing is ranked roles. So. Um, before ranked roles and before support and core MMR being separated, everybody was just queuing matchmaking, ranked. And that means the whole player base is in the same queue and the algorithm will build the best games. When you start switching it into ranked roles, you have the same player base, but now they need specific roles assigned. So the number of players that the pool, uh, where it before could take, let's say, five 5K players and say, you guys are a team, now it needs a 5K support, a 5K other support, a 5K offlaner, a 5K mid, and a 5K carry. And now if the population of 5Ks, if 50% of them queue core only, you've effectively split it in half, right? You've split your queue in half, so now it needs twice as many players to generate the same game. Um, so what they're trying to do is they're trying to incentivize playing the less popular roles, which, what a surprise, is position 5. Um, mm-hmm. And what they're doing now with FastQ is they're basically offering a currency uh, called FastQ tokens, where if you queue for all roles within your party, you get an amount of tokens. If you're three people and you fulfill every role in your queue, you get one token each. If you're two people, you get two tokens each. And if you solo queue for all five roles, you get four tokens. And on top of that, when you do queue in a party that fulfills all the roles, except if it's five men, you are in addition you're added to the fast queue so what they're doing basically is they're trying to reward people for being flexible because that helps their algorithm generate better games Uh, and your reward for being flexible is that on after that you are allowed to queue the role that you want and get fast queue on it so let's say i queue all five roles one game i now have four tokens where i can be like i want to solo queue only a support because that's my role and they're like here's your reward for being flexible for the algorithm now you get four games where you can play support only in the fast queue. If you're really strict and you don't want to adapt whatsoever, you have to expect longer queue times. So people are kind of debating now, like, okay, if you're kind of pushing people in that direction, it's like they're trying to find this medium between ranked roles and the old system where everybody is kind of happy. I'm just not sure if if this is going to work. But I like the idea of trying to do something like this, where you don't just say, okay, guys, ranked roles was a failed experiment. We don't have a big enough player base to do it. But rather, how can we possibly well, keep ranked roles and generate good games? There's a couple of so flaws from before that can easily be remedied, right? One, the fact that there just aren't as many people playing right now, which I think will just fix itself. Mm-hmm. The other thing that is the help. only way to incentivize position five and four, the only way they did was to give tokens or shards to people who have Dota Plus does nothing for mm-hmm. people that aren't playing or aren't paying for the game so i feel like they just needed to incentivize the four and the five in some other way that benefits literally everybody that don't have dota plus but this change it is interesting because i'm in the minority i really didn't mind the long queues because i don't know about you how it is in your bracket but in my bracket the games were actually really good. And for me, it was super worth waiting 10 to 15 minutes, honestly. Like the games are always super, even in the, in the losses. Like this is actually, this was a fair game. Like I can't complain. I just played like shit or whatever mm-hmm. the reason is that I lost. Now I fast queue with a friend, right? And we have to get all five rolls. So we each get, mm-hmm. what is it, two or three tokens. 
And then I get, like, let's say I get the three tokens to be able to play solo from now on. But then I don't know if I'm playing against other people that want to play those roles or are playing it just to get those tokens. And if that's the case, yeah. if it's the latter that are just doing it to get the tokens, the game's not going to be as good because, number one, they don't play that role normally. Number two, they don't really want to play that role right now anyway. They're just doing it to get it over with. So the games are lower mm -hmm. quality. It's a small sample yep. size with me so far. But like in theory, that makes sense why that's happening. You know, I think the drop-off on that implementation where people want these tokens i think the game quality suffers probably the most the further down the brackets you go because like you talked about before with pro players and being able to switch roles and about game iq or whatever in the in dota terms um obviously the lower skilled the players are the less understanding they should have of transitioning into other territory than what they're used to like adapting on the fly being creative thinking outside the box which you know, if you're playing a different role, you need to think differently in the game. And the less overall Dota experience and skill you have, the harder it is. So if you're a 3K player that always plays core and you're suddenly put to play support in a game, it doesn't mean you don't know how to play Dota anymore. Of course you do, but probably the relative impact you will have in that position compared to a 7K player that usually plays core and then plays a support game will be different because they will have a better overall understanding of Dota so they can adapt quicker to that new situation. So... I think in the very high brackets, this kind of token system, I think it's fine. Uh, if I have to play Korra game, so be it. Like It's it's not that big of a deal. Um, but I think further down, it's a problem. And that is kind of an issue because the people you're trying to do this for, that's the other question. Who is this trying to help? If um, I'm totally with you. Before FastQ came out, I think we had the best matchmaking we might have had all year in terms of game quality. It was consistently, for me... Very high-rated games with people, very skilled players playing the roles they wanted. And yeah, we would queue for like 10 to 15 minutes for it every time with our two or three-man queues, but the games were great um, for the most part. Like, if I could put like a percentile on it, just off the top of my head, I think 90% or something of the games matched in the two weeks before this fast queue came out were really well made. Uh, which is great for this algorithm that is, has honestly just been struggling in the last couple of months. But now with the fast queue, it's a bit more hit and miss. I think the it feels it the just games feels are like more the varying old, in quality. It feels like before overall. they put any of this in. That's what it feels like to me. And again, small sample size, but it makes sense in theory. Like I said, because everyone's just playing. It's essentially random roles, right? A lot of the time, you don't know what the hell you're going to get if you're solo queuing. Now, mm -hmm. if you're playing with a party of two, you can narrow it down a little bit. So if you're somewhat flexible like me, I can play four, three, or one. I enjoy those roles. Mm -hmm. Then I have no problem as long as my the person I'm playing with can play the other two. But yeah, it, it can be a real hit or miss. I agree. And I mean, again, this is one of those things where they're iterating, right? And I like that they, we didn't really talk about this, but the fact that, because we've been talking about this week after week, because since they mm -hmm. continually come out with changes... I like that they're doing it before this huge Outlanders patch because they know that a shit ton of people are going to start playing Dota again because of that patch. So if they can iron yeah. out the details on what is the most enjoyable and what's the most balanced, then they can figure it out. They have two weeks, though, or whatever it's going to be, however long, two, three weeks. Cutting it close. Uh, three. The major is over in three weeks. It ends okay. in three weeks minus two days. So... What are you most excited about, by the way, with the, that patch? Mm, I mean, the, the two new heroes sound fun. I hope one of them is a support, obviously. Uh, I think Void Spirit God, will I be a core. That. Void Spirit is probably a position one. It's been a long time since we had a true carry added to the game. 
Um, <clears throat> and I think Snapfire might be a flexible pick or a support. Mainly because of cookies. But we'll the cookies see. Um, definitely yeah, made it seem like support. Outside of that, honestly, this is... Maybe this is going to sound weird because I'm not really directly affected, but I'm most looking forward to improvements to the new player experience, actually. Because I think for the game's health and the progress of it and just the perception of the game in general, uh, and uh, also something that will matter in years to come for investments into the game or you know other people getting interested in being able to share the game with people, um, having a better introduction and implementation of the game for new players, I think... Everybody keeps saying, guys, we don't need new players. We're fine. The player base is hardcore. They've played for 10 years. And it's true, but it's still not that's ideal. A, that's you know? a really stupid mentality, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. When you go when down the stretch, that. when you go down the stretch, getting more people is good and it's useful and it's good for the... If you want to be like really just uh, pragmatic about it, it's good for the economy of the game to get more players that pay. It mm. It's... a it's a profit for Valve. It gives them more incentive to make more content for the game. It's good for the pro scene. Uh, it could spill down into the tier two scene. Um, so just more activity from people in general is good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that because that's, I think out of all of the things that they t- said they were working on, that was the one that felt the most new to me because mm-hmm. getting new content, getting new heroes, getting a different map, getting updates to the MMR system or to the... <clears throat> Um, yeah, to, or even to the report system is something we get fairly regularly, but actively trying to make the new player experience good, I don't think they've done for two years. Like, I can't think of something well, they did where I was I don't like, think they've ever wow, this is really going to help new people. So one thing so that they've been doing gradually... That's the one I really have my fingers crossed for. One thing they've been doing gradually over the course of the past couple of years is making things just more quality of life improvements, which I think is does help the casuals a little bit more than the pros like we've talked about you know holding alt and seeing the ward spots or the stack timing all Mm -hmm. this stuff i think that's all great the the one thing they need with player experience and again this could be an entire episode i've emailed valve about this i won't go into details but if they were to come out with some system like a tutorial if you will it needs to be engaging it needs to be something that you know the community can be proud of so that they will offer it or they'll uh, recommend it to some of their friends that maybe haven't tried it because it's just too big of a, too big of a, what's the word? Um, it, like if you look at League versus Dota, it's just so drastically different in terms of mm-hmm. just jumping into League versus jumping into Dota. That, uh, that's what. What am I thinking of? What fucking word? Uh, the hurdle? ceiling, the hurdle. Yeah, whatever. You know what I'm. You know, what I'm learning saying. curve. The learning curve, yes, that's the one. The learning curve is so huge with Dota. But the, the other thing that they need to do is maintain whatever they come out with with fresh content on the regular. And this is the one that I think Valve will probably struggle with a little bit because it doesn't make them money inherently, right? This isn't something that is directly giving you money as opposed to literally every other feature they're going to be putting in the game probably for this big update. It's one of those things you can't really tell if it's helping you or not, unless you look at the big picture. I do agree with mm-hmm. you. I just think it's hard to look at the analytics and say, this is directly giving us money. All you can see is people, more people playing. You don't know if it's the patch. You don't know if it's the tutorial. But the right. point when is, you add all when of you the come things out at the same thing, time, exactly. that's true. But that's the thing. You have to do that as well. You have to put it at the same time because that's when the most excitement is building up. Right? Mm-hmm. So 
There's That's a lot true. of like little questions like that that I'm obviously they've thought of everything, um, and I hope that they do something major because I agree the player the new player experience is the thing that I mean if you look at every single thing in Dota right every aspect of it the thing that can be improved on the most the thing with the biggest potential is the new player experience as crazy as that is to say because it's non-existent right now you know mm-hmm. so well can you improve on something that doesn't exist though. <laughs> That's a philosophical question. You have to implement it first. <laughs> yes. Well, when Valve invents new players, <laughs> they're going to get very a lot of exciting. Okay? AI bots We're looking forward join. to the next thing. They've been putting a lot of work into VR. They've been the front runners of that. Now Valve will front run new players yes, as a concept wait. in video games. It's going to be great. And then they're going to run it well. Yeah. But I'm excited either way. Okay, so that is uh, the matchmaking update, which... They will continue yep. to iterate upon. Um, I wouldn't say it's like god awful to play right now. It's like I actually want. I wish there was an option for me to go back to slow queue without using my fast tokens. I just want to go back to what they had last week because those were great games. But yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, so next up, EA and Valve have teamed up. This was a shocking announcement. Let me just read this little excerpt if you don't mind. From the EA website, Electronic Arts and Valve have partnered to put EA games into the hands of the players on Steam starting next spring with EA Access, blah, 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 blah. The partnership kicks off with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order launching on November 15th and available for pre-order. In the coming months, players on Steam will be able to play other major titles like The Sims, Unravel. I've never heard of Unravel 2. Is that a... Multiplayer games like Apex Legends, I've heard of that. FIFA, Battlefield 5, it will become available next year. And players on both Origin and Steam will have the ability to play together. What do you think about this? That is kind of major, Cinder. And those are some pretty fucking big games. Right. I mean, Battlefield is a disgrace to the FPS world because they just keep coming out with a new game every year. But Apex, pretty big. I mean, their their entire collection of games, pretty pretty large. When I read something like this, it makes me wonder, like every conversation of this type, somebody initiates it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering who made the first step. Did EA go yeah. to Steam and they were like, we want our games on your platform? Or was Valve like, hey, guys, do you guys want to put your games in our store? Because I think the perspective is really different depending on who made the first step. Because if it's EA that made the first step, they are basically recognizing that Origin is not working the way they want because if Mm -hmm. it were then they wouldn't be looking to steam and if it was valve that went to ea they are kind of like okay we recognize the rise of the epic games store and we want to compete even harder so yeah either way i think the reason this is a partnership and that it is happening at all is because of competition from epic games uh i think that's the main reason uh and and because of riot of course now, this is an interesting approach for Valve because, I mean, first of all, with this, we don't know how big of a cut they get, right? But every game that's on Steam, Valve gets a percentage. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much of their revenue EA is willing to give away. In the eyes of the community, EA is a very, I think it's fair to say EA is a very greedy company in the community uh, because of how much money they uh, demand for their games, how much money they demand for DLCs, patches, new content, whatever it is. Um, so... Well, the games cost the same on Steam. That's the first question. Is it the same price? Uh, And if it is, how much revenue does EA give up? And is this perhaps a move that EA is also making because it helps um, 
maybe give them better PR with the community because their games are on Steam and it's not all this origin separated stuff with ridiculous high markup. Uh, is moving onto Steam perhaps a good move for that reason because people are more positive about Steam? I see very, that's actually something that Valve have been incredibly good about with Steam in general. I see very few people complaining about Steam at all. Yeah about the implementation of the game system, about the accessibility of games. I don't see many content creators complaining about how big of a cut Steam takes or how hard it is to get their games on. Like Steam just seems eh, to be universally pretty I, much liked. It's I've never heard perfect, but the, the cuts I've heard for the most part about people not liking actually. <clears throat> okay. But that is again, it's it's a, me, right? I I don't read or hear everything. I don't but even remember my, what the cuts are. But. My impression of the Steam game of Steam compared to every competitor it has is that Steam is overwhelmingly more positive than Origin. Also, From than the Epic Games Store, even though yes, uh, yeah, uh, even though Epic Games might be on the way up, we we don't know that yet. Uh, but Steam has definitely got a serious foothold here still, and it's really interesting when competition starts coming in because in the end, a competition like this should be good for the end consumer. What could happen is that if you're an EA games fan, maybe your games get cheaper or more accessible or easier to play with friends or yeah. whatever it is that your benefit will be. Um, can or, you be friends with yourself, Sindarin? <laughs> you can. I'm going to add it's myself. It's actually pretty important. Um, the other thing is wh- whether or not you're a fan of EA or whatever, uh, this is another this is added pressure to the Epic Games Store. Mm. And what we could hope happens over time is, if you've looked at like the general price of video games, I feel like they've been escalating pretty hard in the last... Like, If you think about what a, a computer game cost 10 to 15 years ago, I feel like the default price for a game now is quite a bit higher. I know there's inflation, but even considering inflation, I think prices have definitely gone up. We're, we're at a point now where a lot of new titles cost up upwards of like $80 to buy a video game. I don't know about you. My memory of what video games cost 10 years ago was maybe, I don't know, $50 for a 50. game. Um, so I don't think the inflation is that hard in 10 years that things go up by like more than 50% total price. It isn't like that in other things like other entertainment industry products or uh, you know, day-to-day stuff. I think gaming has exploded in price. And the more competition we get, the more likely it is that prices could be at least not keep increasing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which for the consumer is very good in the end. So I think for this team up, first of all, this is great in general. Um, it's mutually beneficial. Like you can obviously see the pros on both sides. I would mm-hmm. imagine, based on the announcements that I've seen so far, that this is definitely more Steam-favored, Valve-favored. It's not like you can play Dota on Origin or anything like that right. yet. Like, yeah, at least it's nothing true. Yeah, your games yet. can come on Your games can come to Steam. So, touching your shit. <laughs> we don't want that shit. But uh, the question is, does that mean Origin is on its way out like long-term? Are they that planning to like, slowly ramp down in the next 5, 10 years? They figured it's not, you know, it's not sustainable for whatever reason because like you said, you have Epic Game Store, which is huge now. You have Riot with mm-hmm. their own shit, and they just announced, you know, like we talked about whenever that was, a couple weeks ago, come out a bunch of games now, so that that's going to be its own entity. That's basically four levels we have, right? Riot, Epic Game Store, uh, Steam, and, and EA's origin. Garbage Origin. But yeah, now you can use Steam, so that's I think that's good. 
To be honest, if you have a competing product and you start selling to one of your competitors, you're on the way out, right? Like if you really believed in Origin, you would not start putting your games on one of the competing platforms. So I think they're phasing out Origin. Um, and another thing we didn't talk about with this, but when you look at the competition, right? EA and Valve are both American companies and they might feel the pressure from uh, the Epic Game Store, which is Chinese, right? No idea. I th- are they? I'm pretty sure the majority owner of Epic Games is Tencent. I know Tencent owns Riot. Oh, actually, no, it's also American. My bad. Epic Games is also American. Okay, so I Riot. take that back. Never mind. Riot is Tencent. Like I, th- I really thought like. Epic Games was more... I mean, it could still be an American company that's primarily Chinese-shared. Uh, I don't know, though, if that's the case. Um, okay, so Ep- the chat is saying Epic is 40% uh, Tencent. So they could be the biggest shareholder, but they're not the majority holder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, hard to say. Um, I guess that point is kind of out the window then. Let's just scrap that. I don't think that makes that much of an argument in that case. Um, well, it's just competition yeah, this, in general. This whole perspective. They're feeling the yeah, heat it just is, from of course. general competition, regardless is. of what country. But, yeah, no matter, no matter how you think about it, it's very, it's very clear right now, right, that in, in the gaming industry, China is becoming huge. Um, mm-hmm. And being able to compete... And both in and against the Chinese market, I think is a is mandatory for any big games company. You have to be able to do it, uh, and that's what I was thinking. Like allying or having partners from your own region could be very helpful in that aspect of being able to compete with others. So, yeah, uh, but it's it's been very clear in the moves from all of these companies that they are definitely catering to a Chinese market because there is such a huge population and so much money uh, coming out of China in the last decade that you just can't ignore it. You're definitely yep. gonna try to go for that. So, all right, moving on to our final discussion, which might take a yep. while. We'll see. BlizzCon occurred, Cinder. Did you watch any of it? Yeah, uh, I watched a little bit of some announcements, but I didn't watch live. Okay, so let's go through each announcement. And we can just talk about however long we want. So the first one, which was, yep. I guess, the biggest announcement, Diablo Four was officially announced, and there was a ten minute cinematic video and as much shit as i've talked about blizzard and i i don't know if i even said this on the podcast maybe i have the one thing that they just shit on everyone with is cinematics my they are so fucking good at cinematics it's not even like oh valve are pretty good at it i mean they are valve are good at it uh riot are good at it but Blizzard is just so... They're like three steps ahead. It's not even close. Like, it is so pristine. I don't know how long these things take to make, but Jesus, man. That is an impressive cinematic video. Whew. I think... I don't even play Diablo. I don't even give a shit. It was amazing. For for as long as I can remember, I think Blizzard has just always been the best in the whole history of how long I've played video games for. Uh, starting with uh, Diablo 1, I think... They've just always been the best. I can't, I can't think of a time where I was like, "Damn, there's this new kid on the block that just makes as hype <laughs> gameplay there's videos or as hype cinematics the as they do." There's just Blizzard are just the best. And what I love about this is they're playing to their strengths, and I think that's really important, especially now where they're in a lot of you know, there's a lot of turmoil about Blizzard. They've definitely got some serious PR backlash, and what the community is asking is, Blizzard, please. Just go back to making fucking good games. And this kind of cinematic gets people excited. It's 
it's everything that Blizzard, you know, it's so, what they're known for. It's these killer cinematics that gets people's hopes up. They've got some accompanying <laughs> gameplay that is showcasing it. It's what people want. So here's the thing, though, that's interesting, right? So they come out with mm-hmm. this cinematic, and they have, a, I think, a certain part of it playable at the event. But yeah. to my knowledge, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, it is extremely mm-hmm. far away from actually being released. Like Probably. Three yeah. years or so, minimum, is my understanding. Like, it's not remotely close. So it was interesting that they would come out with this because of the bad PR. That's really what this is. Because usually when you're announcing a game, it's not that far mm-hmm. away. It's like, okay, if it's a year away or like before your next BlizzCon, that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. not even remotely close. This is completely a PR move, right? It's just like, I don't know how long the cinematic... Like, did they say... I mean, their PR has been bad for so long. It makes sense. That like last year when they did the whole mobile Diablo thing. Like, all right, let's yeah. make a cinematic oh for next year. This could have taken an entire year to make a 10-minute video. I actually believe that. That's how crazy that video was. So that's the most interesting thing from my side. Are you? I think we talked about this before. Were you ever a Diablo player back in the day? Yes. Yeah, I've played all of them. Did um, you like three? Not in particular. My favorite Diablo is Diablo 1. Um, but I think... I think all games are good in their own right. Um, I think people love to shit on Diablo 3, and it got improved a lot later on. Uh, so I think the game is a lot better than maybe a lot of people remember because they just played for the first month, and then they were like, fuck this shit, it's not Diablo 2. Um, and I think what's important for Blizzard about this experience is that every time you make a new title like this that is different from the one that you're, that's most iconic, people will give a lot of feedback. And what I always hope when it's like when you go this far down a franchise to the fourth game is that you learn from the mistakes of the third one, what was different from the second that people didn't like, and then you try to find a medium to connecting them into just a better game than Diablo 2. If they could somehow make this a better game than Diablo 2, they just saved their brand. <laughs> like that game was insanely big for so long. It was like one of the it was like one of the canons of video games, honestly. It was a canonical game. Um you could say the same so, over Brood War. Yeah, that too. Fuck that one um, up too. I thought they true. would announce I, Warcraft Four. You could absolutely, honestly, I was actually expecting. I thought that, that was a possibility too. Um, I'm not sure why they don't want to go down that route. Perhaps they're going to let Reforged run first. Uh, I think I know why. I think they listened to our podcast see. last week. They saw <laughs> the episode name was "RTS Games Are Dead," and like, you know what? It could I be. I think they're right. It, <laughs> Could be that they feel like the genre just doesn't isn't worth it. Um, but in that case, why have they kept producing more StarCraft stuff in the last years, right? If they thought that, then... Well, what do you mean by produced more? You mean come out with Brood War remastered? <laughs> like, hey, no, wait, what was the, when was, game actually, is hang on, when did the last one come out? When did the last StarCraft expansion come out? It's been a while. Was that Legacy of the Void, actually? Uh, Holy Legacy shit, that was 2015. Was Right, that was twenty. That's four years ago. Okay, I take that back. Holy shit! Time flies when you're not playing RTS games. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. Right. Finishing up with Diablo. Yeah. So I think, like, like we both 100 percent agree, big PR move, and I think the community just needed to see this. Like, yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't know if I'm with you that this is a three-year project that it's that far away. Uh, the gameplay that they showcased actually looked pretty good. Uh, it's obviously a very small portion of the game, but 
if they have a lot of the stuff down, like art and animations on certain things, but if it's just like one playable character out of eight and it's one quarter of the world, then obviously there's, or even one eighth of the world or whatever, there's so much more to make, obviously. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't know about three years. We'll see. Um, either way, however long it takes, I think letting the community know that you're developing a kick-ass game right now is necessary, and then they just have to wait until it's done. I think the one thing Blizzard cannot afford to do right now is hype up this game and feel pressure that they need to release it early, and then it's shit. Right. I think they identify what position they're in, and the next games they come out with need to be really fucking good. Um, so... In line with that, they have announced a new expansion for World of Warcraft, which is coming out next year. They did set a year on that one. They said 2020, um, which was Shadowlands. I think the trailer for that, I watched a bit of at least. Um, really good. Very, some very iconic stuff happening in that. Um, really good. A lot good of people cinematic. are excited for it. You need to watch yeah. it. It's fucking really good. Uh, people are super excited for that. Uh, the most recent expansion got a lot of flack, uh, but they made some good adjustments toward the later portion of retail right now, as far as I'm aware. Um, so, again, learning their lesson from trying new stuff. And I think, you know, I think Blizzard are kind of in this transition phase where they're getting grounded, basically, where they were taking certain aspects of the games too far that they almost forgot the core of what makes their games good. And I think mm-hmm. with all the complaints from the community, with WoW Classic being honestly arguably a really much bigger success than they probably would have ever expected um they're probably starting to see certain aspects of game design that they have undervalued and others that they have overvalued and what you can hope with the adjustments that they've made to world of warcraft with their announcement of diablo 4 and now with this next new world of warcraft announcement coming out is that they will get back more into those core values and kind of regain uh the faith of your community because I personally am not really concerned with whether Blizzard is, is still able to make good games. I'm pretty much confident that they are. It's about whether they value the things that I think make a good game. Because uh, they have the manpower. They have You're saying incredible they talent. Make, they make the bones of a great game, but when you shape yes. it at the end, they do a really shitty job, essentially. Yes, like, we exactly. talked about it before. Overwatch, forcing the competitive scene on that. Hearthstone, even though it's successful, forcing it to be casual instead of actually be competitive because it could have really been a great game. Forcing Heroes of the Storm when you could have just gotten Dota to begin with. Like, <laughs> horrible decision after horrible decision. Uh, yeah, like, you would hope... Like, this is the thing. Like, it's not like I'm even rooting against Blizzard at this point. I ho- I wish they were good because that creates better competition for all the other game companies. Right now they have shitting they've and been shitting the bed so much lately. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It's not even just the competition. Some of our favorite games are Blizzard games, and I think it's easy to forget right now when they're in so much shit, and you're just like, oh man, there's these new titles coming out that I'm excited for. I've played Dota two forever. Warcraft two of my three best games of all time are Blizzard games. It's Warcraft three and the original World of Warcraft are two of my best three games. The third one is Dota two which in a way kind of lends or borrows from Warcraft 3. So it's even tangentially also Blizzard. They have made some fucking amazing games. And I just think they lost their way in the last five years. And sometimes it takes... Whoa, 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 whoa. Huh? Let's be real here. It's not been five years. Ten years? Whenever Activision bought Blizzard, that is when it Mm. started. That's not even like this conspiracy theory... It's not even a coincidence at this point. It's literally when that happened, they had been doing horrible stuff consistently mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Like, like obviously, I, I think, when they get bought, like other people are making decisions instead of the original Blizzard people. That's my guess. But 
more than likely. But again, if those new people that bought the company, uh, I think a lot of the times when you get like new leadership like this, people come in with different visions and ideals. And I think it can take a lot of time before your stubbornness gets out of the way. Like if you think this is how it's going to be, this makes money. We've done this in other things. Eventually, if you have one failure after the next, eventually you might get grounded. I'm not saying you will. I I hate to do this, but... I have to make an analogy. This reminds okay. me of exactly the Phoenix Suns, actually. So we had basically the same owner forever, mm-hmm. okay? Until 2003, I believe, he sold the team to a new right. person named Robert Sarver, okay? In that summer, we got Steve Nash, who I, I think even you have heard of Steve Nash. And I that's when that we name, went yeah. on this incredible run where our team was unbelievably good for like eight years or whatever it was. And we never got to play in the finals we never won a title and without going into detail it is in large part because of the owner he wanted to do new things he wanted to do this he wanted to do that every decision he made was horrifically bad to the point like this is just one example there's many examples one Mm. example is he would you know mark cuban is yeah. So his his thing is to like yell at the refs and all this stuff and he gets fined a lot. This was like the first owner that really did that, okay? He wanted to be like mm-hmm. Mark Cuban. So he started doing the same thing. The problem was he got on a lot of the refs' bad side. So the refs actually started calling against the Suns and this has been proven in court that this happened. Like there was literally a ref that was in with the mob that was rigging games and one of the games that he rigged was... Uh, a Suns versus Spurs playoffs game. Like we literally would have, they said he's on record saying that the Suns were better than this team, but they lost Mm -hmm. because everything that we were calling was against them. This was actually a thing that happened. So (laughs) back to my point, Robert Sarver fucked everything up and that's what Blizzard, uh, that's what Activision has done to Blizzard, in my opinion. Don't know the intricate details, but. No. NBA rant over, sorry. Right. So what I was getting at, which I think is probably similar to you, what you said. No. So I think it's a good comparison because if you get new leadership or whatever like this and they want to run things a new way, a different way, they have different ideals or whatever, it can be good. Like you can't always say, oh, the old way was always the best. Like sometimes creativity is a lot of the times creativity is really good and a different mindset can make a huge difference. But sometimes it also just fails because especially in something like gaming, you have a very... Blizzard had a very hardcore community that were so proud and so happy to play all of their games. And then if that style of gameplay and that style of content starts shifting to, let's say, for example, after Activision joined or bought the company, we got a lot more of these like more casual approach. I would say the games got overall more casual. It overall got more um, loot boxy, which kind of happened to all games, but you get the idea. Like the, There were more of these uh, casual, more profit-driven, which is weird to say because Blizzard in the past was definitely a company about profit, right? But you just have this feeling that the core gameplay was not necessarily the essence anymore. It was a bit more about how can we make this game appeal to as many people as possible so we make as much money as possible rather than make a fucking great game first and foremost that we're really proud of and then the game will carry itself along with our amazing announcement with cinematics. That's kind of the feeling that you have uh, playing and watching these games compared to the old ones. So when you have this ideology come in and it runs and you see you see your market shares drop, you see the 
ever-growing frustration in the fan base. Your stock is as low as it's ever been. At some point, it has to click for you. Okay, we can't keep doing this. We have to... It doesn't necessarily mean we're getting old Blizzard back or whatever, but you're going to get... It's going to scale back on this casual stuff, and it's going to come a bit more toward the older stuff. And perhaps, who knows, perhaps this medium in between is the best ever. It might be better than the old hardcore games because maybe you get these really good games, but now they can appeal to a bigger audience because of certain elements that are more casual. And that's fine, as long as the people that love these Blizzard old Blizzard games get their fix, right? Um, so that's just that's what I hope they do. I think they've had plenty of failed experiments. They have the data for what people don't like now. They definitely have <laughs> done everything they can. That might be the problem. It might be skewed. All the people data dislike. is what people don't like. Yeah. So hopefully that's enough data so by this point. At that point, th- I think at this point it becomes the human element. It's like, how <laughs> proud are you? Like, how stubborn are you yeah. as Activision? For example, let's just, let's just, to make it simple, let's just say it's all their fault, okay? How stubborn are you at this point to run things exactly the way you want? And how much are you willing to give in and be like, okay, maybe we need to backtrack on this a little bit because honestly sometimes things like this in life it's really down to the individual person right it's just sometimes it's a little bit about luck like Mm. what kind of person is the ceo what kind of people are the people on the board the people that make the big decisions are they open-minded or are they very uh stubborn and selfish in the way they want to run things and i think one of the things that again i'm not a huge blizzard expert by any means about the past but i think the impression I have of is it uh, is it Mike Morheim it was called what the old CEO I don't of Blizzard remember. at this point yeah Mike Morheim everything I've seen about that guy about how he presents himself about how he talks about games about how he talks about Blizzard's past I think people like that have a huge impact just individuals like that can have a huge impact on the success and the mentality of a whole company mm. I think Blizzard's old structure and old way of thinking and making games uh largely you know you lead by example right and he's not there anymore there's a lot of the old guard that made a huge impact on this that are not there anymore and now it's about whether the new people can get toward that old style again or maybe this has happened in other industries maybe some of the old guys get hired back you realize you made a mistake right and Perhaps, you know, you can you can hope for it. You can be hopeful. Okay, but, moving on because we're yeah, that was talking a long talk, a long but time. I'm very passionate about Blizzard. I love well, a lot of their games. So yeah. it's uh the Hearthstone expansion was announced and they actually had a see her name was VK Lion. Oh you skipped the one first, thing. No, oh, I'll get mind. to that. I, I VK okay. Lion becomes first female Hearthstone champion and first BlizzCon champion. That's fucking really cool, by the way. Uh, I watched a little, I only watched a little snippet when it occurred, but uh, she was very emotional. Uh, that's really awesome. I, we'd, we've talked about the this female in, females in esports and whatnot in another episode, so we won't go into detail here, but this is really good, I think. Um, and I'm hoping that at some point something will happen with Dota <laughs> to, uh, uh, right. to include females in the more, I don't know. It's it's a weird esports is kind of weird, right? We're kind of behind in the yeah. the times, I feel like. But uh, but the other thing that occurred, uh, they they announced an auto battler. I actually forgot to write down the name of this. That's embarrassing. Hearthstone auto battler called something I forget, and they showed some clips of it. And 
Mm-hmm. Did you see any of it, by the way? Yeah, I saw a little bit of a clip, I think. I it saw, saw looked, a bit of the announcement. So here's the thing. Uh, it looked pretty underwhelming to me. I watched some gameplay from Crip. Uh, big fan of Crip, by the way. That guy's awesome. Uh, the visuals, I just can't get behind. I don't know what it is. It's just literally... Isn't it, looks it exactly like Hearthstone? Hearthstone? Yeah, Isn't it exactly actually Hearthstone? Hearthstone? It's yeah. an... It's a mode in Hearthstone. It's not a separate game like other companies Correct. have done. It's not Underlords. It's not Teamfight Tactics. Teamfight Tactics is not in League, right? It's its own game, I think. Yes. It's in, its, in, uh, the, yeah. it's in the Riot launcher, I think, though. Yeah, right. But this is part of Hearthstone. Yes. Uh, so it's free, if you will. It, it's part of the expansion, but it's not the whole expansion. It comes yeah. as, a, as a part of the expansion, it, which it is comes mainly off, about new cards and stuff. It comes off to me as, hey, let's just, you know... Let's just get in this auto battler thing, but we're not mm-hmm. going to take it super serious. We're just going to do it just so we can say that we've done it, which in my opinion is actually a good decision because if you went all out, fun. it would have been bad because there's just so many of them now. And I I will go down saying right now, I don't think that that genre is that successful. I don't think any of them can be that successful because it's not a game that anybody will play as their main game, really, if you think about it. Like even like Underlords is struggling even after its big patch, which makes me sad because duos is a lot of fun. But I can understand to a certain degree, these games are just even TFT is not nearly as uh, popular as it used to be. It's just I feel like this genre is not a killer genre. You know, it's not like the new MOBAs or anything like that. And I think if I can put a finger on why I think that is that all of the games eventually decline, it's just I think the depth of it just isn't there. And I think that's what Valve are really trying with uh, with Underlords is that they're trying to add a lot of complexity to make it appealing. Because the problem that these auto-battlers have is, I, I feel like, lack of agency, right? When you play the games, the amount of control you have on an outcome, you feel limited. You feel like you can't outskill, you can't outplay in the same aspect as you can in an RTS game or in a MOBA or whatever. Because... You place the units, and you can outplay opponents, and you can outskill them, of course. But it's it's just a different feeling. Like when I win a game, of, even against card uh, games, card games you can do the same. Even against card games, like the thing about this is, when you put in an auto battler, and on top of that, it's random elements which units you get. It's kind of I think I talked about this last episode or something. It's a bit it's a bit casino like, you know, like you're yeah. Are you getting lucky with your units? Yes, you are. You place them. You win. Next time you get bad luck, you play against a player that's three times as bad as you and you still lose. That's frustrating. And you play against a guy that's way better than you and you can beat them. And that's, I mean, that's it's fun, right? But when you take a game like that and it goes down the stretch, it goes down a year, you need to constantly put in new exciting content. You need to add additional gameplay. And I think you have to add complexity. I think the game becomes stale. Because people feel like they've seen it all. And it just becomes... Like you were talking about when you were going to Lord, you were basically... You weren't really enjoying it. You weren't feeling was, like you were learning something or you were anything was... You were being creative or you were outplaying. You were just like, I'm just following a script. Like you were, th- you were just there. You know, like... Yeah. It, it's not... I think that is the biggest problem of this genre that I would love to see it somehow solve. But I don't know exactly how you do it. I, the duo thing that we've talked about is an option for Underlords where you play on the same board. I think that kind of thing can be really interesting because now, even though you're not controlling the units, you have this agency together of building a strategy together, working as a team. Like there's, 
Mm. There's some added well, depth not only that, inherently in that. If you add an right? option, they, they do have this option. It's just kind of hard to get to where you can see other people's boards and compare them to your own. So you actually reposition them in a way mm -hmm. that counters your enemy. That, like, It's almost impossible to do when in duos especially. But that just adds an extra complexity that you would somebody like you would enjoy, right? And I understand mm -hmm. that. Uh, but we should move on, by the way, because this one, right. I hope this doesn't take too long because we're already quite deep into this podcast. Overwatch 2 was announced, Cinderin. Yep. Uh, it's going to come with a story mode. Uh, has some updates to some of the characters to make them look more anime-like. <laughs> That's the best way I can explain it. Looks like they got yeah, some okay. plastic surgery. Uh, some new right. heroes. Only, I think, one has been announced so far. Uh, sure. There's going to be adding talents to the heroes. There's going to be some new maps, a new mode. So overall, the reception from what I saw, general public-wise at least, mm -hmm. uh, this is just a quote I'm going to take. Blizzard is taking an unconventional approach to sequel promising a shared multiplayer environment where current Overwatch players will be able to play against Overwatch 2 players in PvP multiplayer and will have access to all the new Overwatch 2 heroes and maps. The company also promised that it plans to support all the players existing unlocked cosmetics from the first game. Despite this quote, though, Cinderin, many still mm -hmm. are saying that this feels like an expansion that's behind a paywall. Would you agree? Uh, explain to me why I have to buy the second game if I can have all of it in the first game. Yeah, there, there are some things that you can't do, uh, which I'm struggling to remember now. Oh, you can't do like the single player mode. I know that. Okay, so the campaign... Uh, so here's the thing that was interesting, because I watched the announcement, and they didn't say what you couldn't do. All they said was, you could do these things, if right. you have the original. You're not going to get the new hero look, I guess, maybe? Uh, I'm forgetting now at this point. Okay. But it's... The amount of updates that are coming for this game feels... I mean, we're, we're come from Dota, like... They've, they haven't mm -hmm. made Dota 3 for a reason. <laughs> they're just big patches, right? This right. feels like a big patch that they're mm -hmm. putting a price tag on that you don't have gotcha. to buy if you don't want to play the single-player mode. But if you do, you got to pay for another game, essentially. Okay. So and, here's my two cents on this. If the thing you buy in Overwatch 2 is largely the single-player mode, why didn't you make a standalone single-player game based on Overwatch? Like, what's the? I'm just I'm trying to understand. Like, what's my appeal for buying? If I'm a if I'm a multiplayer guy, what's my appeal of buying this game? Like, and if I'm a guy who wants to play the single player, I would have bought a single player game anyway. In the theme, so I I'm just I don't follow. Like, what's the benefit here? Why is this worth it to make Overwatch two like this combo thing? Do they think enough people are going to buy the game because of, like, I'm just, like, from a market segment standpoint, right? If you're a hardcore multiplayer guy that doesn't want to play the single player, would you buy this game? I mean, And I, if not, then, I, I don't know, it sounds a bit weird. So my, my Maybe we're just missing it, information here. I, I well, just don't follow the logic. Well, there, there's a reason we're missing information is because they didn't say anything. That's the point. Okay. And I, I well, think there's case. a reason they didn't say anything because they, they're on this whole you know, we need to have good PR. Let's not upset people. Obviously, they were, you know, they looked at this and like, I know we know people are going to say this is just an expansion. So we're going to give them this stuff for free, which is fine. But mm -hmm. they haven't really said what you're not going to get. Like they didn't actually, right. to my knowledge, say that you're not going to get the PVE, which is the single player mode, but they didn't say you did get it. So I assume you're not, right? So it's just process of elimination at this point. Right. Uh, but I would say the general reception has been at best lukewarm 
but probably more on the negative side. Uh, but I know that the Overwatch League will be using Overwatch 2, obviously. They'll be switching. Right, of course. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Overwatch, I feel like I could <laughs> I could talk shit about all day. But Actually, I do that. have, maybe now that you just mentioned the League, I think there might be something a bit deeper about this that's worth considering. Uh, Overwatch League is, there's a lot of money in Overwatch League. There is a lot of money. Investor money, primarily. Invested, uh, not income. Yes. yes. Very right. important There's distinction. There's a l- lot of money invested. So there are a lot of rich people in America that want to have an eSport team. And as often as the case, they will look to where can we get a franchise team. And the only two games in eSports right now that I'm aware of where you can really franchise is Overwatch and League of Legends. I, Dota 2 doesn't do it. CSGO doesn't do it. Um, no other games exist. So... Uh, I actually don't know about Call of Duty. Maybe they have some franchising too. I, I don't really know the esports, like the broad scene that well, but the two that stand out to me, at least that I very much know about, are League and Overwatch, right? So let's just go along with that. Even if I'm wrong and there's extra games, it actually doesn't matter. So if you're Blizzard and you're running this league where you have big money invested into this, those people want to return, right? And if the league itself is not particularly lucrative, uh, or if, it, as far as I have heard or read, uh, Overwatch has not been a profitable game for There's the investors. No Zero percent chance. There is like no way that's the case. No way. So if you want to appease those investors, you make Overwatch two to, you know inspire hope in them that okay this is the next then we're making an upgrade to the game we're going to be broadcasting this game it's going to be bigger it's going to be better it's going to be more stuff and honestly a lot of these investors that put big money in this they don't fucking understand the game they they don't understand esports very well but they want to get they want to get in there if it makes it big as a franchising game they want to be there and have that team and have that brand uh so Basically, for them, it's just, it's really what it is. It's an investment. It's a gamble. It could flop and they've lost money. It could do well and they've made money. That's how a lot of investments go. So I'm wondering how big of a part of this decision is because, okay, we want to keep Overwatch League running. It's good for our business and it's really good for us as a corporate brand to have these big investors buy into our games. Because then in the future, when we make more stuff that they could be interested in, if they have a positive experience with this, they will want to keep working with us. I think that might play a bigger role in this than we just talked about the other stuff. Actually, I think maybe. That's true. Like, it, it, how long has Overwatch League run for now? Is it the third third year? Too long. No. <laughs> I mean, I know you're a notorious hater. I just I don't really have an opinion because well, I tried the, watching it I and have I didn't. An, oh yeah, it, it's but, fine to like. I don't find the game fun to play. Like that's whatever. I don't find a lot of games fun to play that are popular, or even some that are very uh, profitable. But the thing I absolutely hate about this is it's because of Owl. It's not because of Overwatch itself. The Overwatch mm-hmm. League, they're forcing this game to be competitive. It's a manufactured esport. They have all these investments from people, like you said, that like I should feel bad for them. Or, like I don't feel bad for them at all because these are multi-billionaires at this point. Like people like Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. like NBA players up the Hazoo uh, investing into this game. They have no idea what it's about or anything. And it's a complete disaster, obviously. Like, there's no way they're making even remotely the, the amount of money that they thought they would. 
but the it just bothers me that it's such an artificial esport. That's what really triggers me because you have things mm-hmm. like Dota. Yeah, we don't have great sponsorship because the game is hard to watch. Guess what? Overwatch is just as hard to watch, and <laughs> and they get a shit ton of investment, and they're not going to make any money. They're going to make a way way less than that. They're going to lose a lot of money, and this is going to hurt esports as a whole because right. Blizzard wanted to force an esport on a game that has no business being an esport just really bothers me triggers me gah that's all i got on that subject right (laughs) right okay uh well i i wanted to do you think like am i overstating this do you think i'm i'm over like okay let me try to rephrase this how much do you think blizzard in this decision how much of it do you think is because they are worried or they care a lot about oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. these big investments compared to just the community itself in of course. the game that they made. So here's the thing. Like how big right? a part do you think it is? It, it's, I think it's a fairly big part because let's say they mm-hmm. came out with Overwatch 2. This isn't even just a PR thing. That's the fun. That's the ironic mm-hmm. thing about this. Uh, if they came out with Overwatch 2 and Overwatch 1 players couldn't play it, a lot of their Overwatch 1 player base would not buy it. Okay, A good portion of it. But by doing it this way, not only do you get those same players and you can combine those numbers, but you're going to get mm-hmm. new purchases because people are excited about a new quote-unquote game coming out, right? Right. It's a way to make extra money. I don't know much, how much extra money. I have no clue. I mean, I can guarantee you that even with even if they sell the shit out of this game, it's still not going to come close to the amount of investments that have gone into this game from Overwatch League. It's ridiculous. How like, much does a slot cost in that league? I don't know. Dude. It's astronomical. Like, it's... It's mind-bogglingly high. I can't believe okay, it. I'm going to Google right now. Still can't. I believe. want to buy a team <laughs> in the Overwatch League. Uh, yeah, some some <laughs> people got some bad investment uh, advice. That's for sure. I mean, you pitch them on something new. They don't know much about esports. It's a hot thing now. Obviously, you can look at the numbers. The problem is, esports is segregated into many, many, many games. Right. I think the problem that a lot of these investors that come from traditional sports have, they're comparing basketball to esports, right? One sport to esport. Esports mm-hmm. is basketball, it's baseball, it's hockey. It's literally every traditional sport. You just have to look at it segregated like that, and then you have a better idea of. And the problem is no game is as big as one traditional sport league, like a major right. league. That's the mm-hmm. issue right now. And eventually that's going to change. Don't get me wrong. But it, it's not going to start with Overwatch League, like, Jesus Christ! Get your head out of your ass. We have a very, we have a very bright outlook on the future, guys. Esports is going to be great, <laughs> but it's not going to be fucking. Get over. your head out of your ass, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Do you have those numbers by any chance? Is it uh, like twenty million? Them, yeah. People in chat are saying a team a slot costs twenty million dollars. Twenty? Oh, I was right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. And there's twenty teams in the league, right? So that's four hundred mil a year. Or do you, do you buy in and then you're there? Or do I, you pay? You know what, Cinderin? We don't need to go into detail because once I saw how much money they were investing and how bad that game is, I stopped looking into it anymore. There's nothing more okay. needs to be said. Hear me out here. I have okay. the big brain idea right now. Yeah. OG have won two TIs. <laughs> they <Will> could they? <laughs> collectively, they could buy an Overwatch team for their yeah. total prize money. <laughs> And then they could start. So within that Overwatch League, they start 
like they become spies basically and they start like derailing the league and getting it doesn't need to be derailed that's the whole point of this conversation it's already dead cinder for fuck's sake (laughs) they buy the slot and they kill it off for good oh kill it even more it's like beating a dead horse it's already dead for god's sake okay so i think that's the end of our discussion the end of our podcast cinder uh, Actually not. You wanted to... There's one more thing we wanted to talk about, which I think we should mention. Okay. Is sure. how does this compare to Riot? Because I think uh, we made a really big deal out of Riot's announcement. We talked about all of their games, uh, which ones were expecting to be good, which ones were expecting to be okay. Um, and we said, well, when Riot dropped that bombshell, there's going to be counter stuff coming out. And this is Blizzard's counter move for now. So I'll let you go first. How strong of a showing do you think this is? It's not at all. Like Not I think, uh, I mean, okay, relatively speaking, if you compare the two, like mm-hmm. as its own thing, sure, there, there's some nice things. Like the uh, Diablo Four thing is nice, although you won't be able to play it for a long time. The cinematic is mm-hmm. unbelievable, like we said. World of Warcraft expansion, I don't know how many they've already been, so it's kind of par for the course, like we've talked about. Mm-hmm. The Hearthstone expansion, same kind of thing. They just pump these out every three, four months. The Auto Battler, it's gonna be, it's not gonna be popular. I can guarantee that. Uh, and then Overwatch 2, we just shat all over. So overall, I would say it's a bit underwhelming if you look at it. And if you compare it to Riot, it's not even remotely close. So what would have got you excited? What did they need to do to get you excited? Announce a completely new franchise or Warcraft 4? Is it just because you're biased toward Warcraft that that is what you were hoping for? Like, what no, if they announced Starcraft so. 3? Would you have cared about that? I mean, okay, so here's the thing. Like, I'm not saying RTS. I know we said RTS is dead, and I do think mm-hmm. that's the case. But there's some things right. they can maybe, in, you know, inject into it to make it more interesting. We talked about this last time. It doesn't have to right. be a pure RTS, right? So, yeah, mm-hmm. StarCraft 3 would, I mean, I think it's too early to do that, so it wouldn't make sense. But I would have been more hyped for sure. WarCraft 4, the same thing. Uh, right. Like, here's the thing, Cinder. Like, the Diablo 4 thing, I'm not... I don't play Diablo. I never really did. It's not my kind of thing. I can understand why mm-hmm. people like it. And if it was coming out in right. this next year, I would say that's a big deal. But I don't think this is a big deal. It's going to be years. Okay. You know? Why? What so, do you think? Okay, so I'm just thinking, I think maybe for you this announcement is so underwhelming because you don't play any of these games to begin with and you don't really care about the franchises, right? You don't play World of Warcraft. You never played it. You don't mm-hmm. like Diablo because you're not really an RPG guy. You think Hearthstone is a relatively weak card game, and I like you hate Hearthstone Overwatch in the beginning. more than anything else. Uh, <laughs> All right, you make so, a good point that I'm biased. So yes. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think here, like <laughs> for for a second, try to let's try to because I, in a way, our perspective should be the same as Riot's announcement, right? Because we also don't play their games. Yeah. Why do you think their announcement was stronger? Was it the number of new titles? Yes. Because they are largely drawing on the same franchise too. Like most of it is inspired by uh, League of Legends, right? That's yeah. what it sounded like. They're going to use the same ver- uh, the Rune Terra universe or whatever. Um, so why was that stronger for you than this? Is it just the number? It's not games? only the number of games. It's the fact that it's so drastically different genres as well. Right. Uh, and the fact that they came out with a card game that you could play right away. That was actually unfortunately good. Like, here's the thing. Like, you say I'm biased against Blizzard. I'm pretty freaking biased against Riot as well, even more so, probably, right? Mm-hmm. At least historically speaking. At least I've played some Blizzard games. Like, League, I've played three games of, I think, in my entire life. And that was 
right during the heroes of new earth days when and you Dota tried team fight tactics yet. too right a couple of games no i've never tried no, team fight tactics. Okay. no so yeah it's just the sheer amount of it the fact that it most of it came as a huge surprise to me to most people um i mean like we talked about that one week i think a lot of those games will not probably be super popular like they won't mm-hmm. be the the leaders of their uh genre their respective genres necessary like the fighting game who knows but at the same time, it is such a bold move, you know? It's you, right. you announced like seven games and a TV series. Like that's nothing's ever been done like that at any of these conventions. Imagine Blizzard made an animated series. Holy shit. Yeah, seriously. That would be something. And they would fucking take every episode of that series would take three years to make. <laughs> but fuck it would be good, dude. <laughs> When I'm like on my deathbed, I would watch season one and I'll be like, this is the greatest animated series ever. Made. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right. Get get your stuff together. So do you agree or disagree? Um, I'm more excited for this than you are. Um, yeah. But compared like, to right, if I try to separate myself from the love of these games, because it's by it's a bit biased, right? Because I, I really like Diablo as a as a game and as a history. Mm-hmm. I really like World of Warcraft. Hearthstone was a game I actually played quite a lot for a while, and then I haven't touched in years. Don't really care so much about that one. Overwatch never touched. I watched a very little bit of the league. I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I tuned out. Um but because of because of how much the two first franchises resonate with me, it makes me a bit excited. Especially, it gets it gets me a bit more excited that they've got shit recently because I think it motivates them to do a better job. I, mm-hmm. I'm more hopeful for these games than I would have been if they had had no no backlash. Because I think now okay. that's fair. It's it's the same thing that happens, right? It's some people when even like I can just take an esports example. If if people are like, oh, you're not doing so well or whatever, either you crumble under the pressure or you fucking double down and prove everybody wrong and mm. i am a firm believer that blizzard is going to prove people wrong with this if they don't they're <clears> fucked <throat> so i think <laughs> I, I think they have to prove people wrong with this. and there's going to be a lot of heart and a lot of hard work going into this that's my hope i'm not okay. saying it's guaranteed that it will happen they could the games could be bad and then i'm just like you know what you know the, that's a the, very, the days are over that's a very fair assessment um, so Riot's objectively speaking, right? if I'm not a fan of either game, if I'm just watching from the outside and I'm looking at the announcement, I think the Riot announcement looks stronger. Uh, but at the same time, the reason that it looks stronger, I think, is mainly the sheer number of titles. However, if you compare the weight of the, the brands here, if you compare the Rune Terra universe to the Diablo plus World of Warcraft universes, I feel mm. like Blizzard still has, you know, a very big market here to to harness i don't know how big league of legends is in terms of player base compared to world of warcraft and diablo and hearthstone and overwatch combined but we have to remember yes league is announcing all of these games but their player base is largely from one game so how many new people are going to come in all of the league of legends are not all of them but a lot of the league players are probably very excited to play other riot games and try this out but other people that aren't really affiliated with Riot anyway or try their games, like how many of them are going to be like, fuck yeah, I want to play your eSport manager game or uh, I can't wait to play the the League of Legends RPG. Like that's what I'm not sure no, about. Again, objectively speaking, point. is how how strong do these games look to people that don't play League? Well, so your question um, was how do the announcements stack up? It's not about what's actually going right. to happen because a oh, lot of the, these Riot games just the, could be flops. Yeah. 
the announcement itself, I think it's not even remotely close. Riot blew every, everybody yeah. away. That's I, th- not- I think an, Riot's announcement is stronger, but I also think you're downplaying Blizzard's a bit here. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. Is what I would say. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Riot's announcement is still the strongest one. Uh, for me, for it to be a tie, I think Blizzard either on top of what they did needed to announce a new franchise or they needed to announce Warcraft 4. Then I think we would be having a talk about which one's oh, stronger. Oh, yeah. I'd be but excited then. That would also be pretty crazy for them to develop Warcraft 4, Diablo 4, and World of Warcraft side by side. That is, you know, yeah. they have a lot of manpower. They have a lot of really good programmers and artists and whatnot. But still, <clears throat> I think there's, there's like a... It's like a... It's a difference of magnitude, I think, working on those titles to working on the esports manager. Like if you if you count them in terms of like how much effort and time needs to go into it, a lot of the league games sound like they don't require that much manpower or that many working hours. Warcraft, Diablo, and World of Warcraft require huge teams well, you don't with know dedicated that. time you don't and a lot that. of work. So, like Riot has uh, five thousand employees. How many does Blizzard have? I'm not sure. Is it five thousand? Maybe it's comparable. I mean, it's not about how many employees you have. It's about how many you need for the project, right? You're not going to seriously tell me that you need to have a team of multiple hundreds working on the eSport manager game. Oh. But you would need hundreds to work on fucking World of Warcraft. So right? you're comparing like, World of just... Warcraft to their 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 eSport manager I mean, manager obviously, game. It's, it's, ma- it's putting it on edge, right? I think out of the new titles they announced, the one that probably needs the most manpower is probably the RPG. But like the, if the it card game... The, the card game they announced doesn't require that much manpower, right? Let's be real. The one you tried and said was really good. What was it called? Legends of Runeterra or whatever? Yeah, uh, that one doesn't require that much manpower. The manager game doesn't require that much manpower. I think the animated animated series probably requires a pretty big team, but it only requires one kind of team, right? It's the animator team. You don't use, you don't need programming in the same way. You don't need. That's true. Okay. Uh, I, I there, there are other elements, right? It's Fair okay. Enough. Let's let's leave it at that. So let's end. We this are episode. we are okay. Let's uh, let's segue from Blizzard to getting drunk. I think that's a good segue. Uh, okay. <laughs> now that we've talked about Blizzard's announcements, let's drink away our sorrow. Uh, so we're trying to think of something interesting to talk about, and I, I don't know if you came up with this or the chat, but uh, probably chat. If it was interesting, it was chat. It's going to be a mix of stuff here. So it's not really an alcohol tier list. We're just going to talk about our favorite alcohol like beverages, but we should probably preface this with how much we drink, right? Because it's. Uh, Right. You're basically a goddamn alcoholic compared to me. <laughs> okay. <I mean. laughs> nah. So uh, I remember when we've gone to like after parties or whatever at Dota events, <laughs> yeah. you are you are very much a non-drinker, which I have absolutely no problem with. Uh, it bothers you. And you try to force I'm, me to drink. Peer pressure every time. I mean, I think I it's fun it to have a drink. But like if, if, you, if you refuse, I'm not going to bother you with it the whole night, right? That's like, true. It's... Uh, it's more how to say I like social drinking. I'm not much of a person that just drinks alone. Um, what do you get like when you're and, drunk? By the way, like super drunk. Um, well, not super drunk. You're normal drunk. Are you friendly? Yeah. So, so you know, there's like these stere- the stereotypes. I'm definitely not aggressive. I will absolutely not be aggressive. I can't uh, picture that anyway. I, I don't. I don't know because this is one of those things when you talk about your own bias, right? It's really weird because. Maybe everybody feels this way, and I'm just wrong too. But I feel like, out of all people I know, I change the least, actually. Well, but it might just be my own perception. Though, it like, might be my own don't perception. Don't people tell you what you what you do? Yeah, when you're nobody drunk? has ever told me. Wow, you were so different. It's also why it, it, when I 
if I go from not being drunk to being drunk, people are like, we didn't see that coming. <laughs> They're mm. like, I didn't know it was happening. So, okay. uh, I don't know. I, I think I get a bit more, I just, I'm, I'm generally in a good mood, right? I'm generally a pretty positive person, uh, for the most part. So it yeah. just, it's like a, it's like a catalyst of that. I guess I just get a little bit more enthusiastic, a little more energetic, a little happier. What do you uh, think? But how do you think I get crazy. when I'm drunk? Honestly, I think you get lovey. Wow, how did you know? What do you mean I love you? You may though? have you may have told me, but it also wouldn't surprise me with how. Wait, you what do you mean by lovey? You just get very uh, like you're talking about being handsy and stuff like that because that's not the case. No, I just I, I just didn't touch you your penis. Get, yeah, you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think you get. Uh, I think you just get more optimistic toward other people you just get I, more happy and i become lively. a better person as yeah as weird as that is to say, i become and i become that is why you stay away from it at all costs now. i just because we right, we'll talk about that. why i don't drink but uh right. I, I definitely become a little bit happier i become much more friendly i become more talkative mm-hmm. for sure i mean i think that's kind of the norm you know yeah especially when you're like a introvert like myself but yeah like i've never had anybody say i get aggressive or anything like that I would say, so I think I should mention this as part of it. In student culture in Denmark, uh, I think, I remember reading this somewhere. Alcohol, Denmark has the highest average alcohol alcohol intake per person in the world. Really? I'm pretty sure. Yes. So you and are I think a big. I think a big part of it, no. So here's the thing. I think a really big part of it is student culture in Denmark is very much based around alcohol, which... Is both a good and a bad thing. I'm not going to say inherently that alcohol is good. I'm not going to say inherently that it's bad. Uh, but it is a very big part of university life in Denmark. There's a lot of bars. There is a lot of weekend trips. Uh, a lot of it's just it's the thing you do in university when you're not studying mm. is very much uh, drink centered. Um, so I think that contributes a huge part to it. Um, so yeah, I was obviously a part of that. I, I'm a big fan of going out for drinks of, you know, whether it's outside or if it's at home, uh, parties that involve alcohol is, it's very, it's just super normalized in Denmark. It's just a thing. Like it, we don't make a big deal out of it compared to other countries, I think. So, um, but outside of that, I wouldn't say like, I, I, I don't drink a lot definitely. And I don't drink nearly as much as I used to because now I'm not a student anymore. So there's way less occasions that I go to where I would drink. But if there's a Dota after party, of course I'll have a drink. You're saying you or, don't drink alone in your room? No, I don't. Okay. Just um, checking. I actually, I did it once in the last, I don't know, even in years. All right. So talk I about what you like to drink then. I emptied a bottle of port I had, which was nice. Okay. Um, right. So actually, I think it's easier for me to say what I don't like to start. So it's very negative of you, Cinderin. Uh, it's because I like so much different stuff that it's easier to do a process of elimination instead. So okay. I can't drink whiskey. I really dislike the taste. And it also, I'm pretty sure it's the thing that gives me the worst hangover. I've only tried it like a couple of times, but I really didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend of mine I was at at one point. He had a nice bottle from Scotland. He was like, have a try of this. And I was like, I'll try it. And I tasted it. I was like, I can definitely tell why this is better than average stuff. I was like, okay, this is much better. But it's still wasted on me. I didn't really enjoy it, but I could tell it was better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed it more. But yeah, I would have still rather had anything else, more or less. Uh, I don't like India Pale Ales. 
I think mainly because of the bitterness. I think my least favorite fruit in the whole world is grapefruit. I think it's terrible. Wow. And it should probably be exterminated um, <laughs> to make so room weird. for better fruits. Wow. Interesting. All of the plantations that make grapefruit could make <laughs> actual fruit. Um, Wait, how much do you hate them? Like as much as I hate tomatoes or would you probably, gag I, eating I can't, it? I can't eat grapefruit. I really Wait, why didn't you? Why wasn't this part of the original bet? I don't know. I didn't lose. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I would have tried harder if I knew. I should have. What was it? I was supposed to eat if I lost. Was it Brussels sprouts or something? Yeah, it was like steamed oh, Brussels. God, sprouts. I didn't lose. That's also really fucking bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. So those generally, when people ask me what I drink, I say those are the two things I don't like. I don't like pale ales, uh, especially India pale ale, and I don't like whiskey. Apart from that, pretty much everything goes. And I'm kind of a fan of. Hard liquor. I don't mind that, you know, that burn when you drink something strong. I kind of like it. Uh, hmm. Even stuff like absinthe, I have enjoyed. Would you say uh, you're a masochist by nature? No, because it's not. <laughs> I'm not like, oh, Feel hell yeah, make it as painful as possible. I'm not telling people to twist my nipples while I have a shot, right? Ooh, but Have you tried it, though? Uh, I'm sure you probably <laughs> <laughs> love it. What do I uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of the go-to. I, let, I'll let you go then, and then I can like, if you want, I can single out stuff I like the most. I okay. Guess. Well, I don't have much to say. I uh, <laughs> don't like to drink alcohol. I I don't like things that I don't like. If that makes sense, I will not get peer okay. pressured into doing stuff. Usually, sure. uh, I've always been this nonconformist. I've always had a nonconformist attitude. Like I generally just, even though I do care to a degree, like compared to most people i don't care what people think of me so if i look like a loser like in high school for example for not drinking mm-hmm. i don't give a shit i really don't care but <clears throat> when i was 18 or 19 we went to mexico as you know it's the age of the age for alcohol is 21 in the u.s but it's 18 i yeah. believe in mexico and i had a ton of kamikazes as they call them i believe it's tequila with like lime juice or something like that mm-hmm. and because if I'm going to drink anything, it's going to be like a girly drink, something that tastes good. Like that's all I care about mm-hmm. is it tasting good. So why is that a girly drink? What kamikaze is not a girly drink. No, why that's, is it a girly drink if it tastes good? Uh, because in the U.S., that's what you that's what you label it as. Because you're a loser okay. or a nerd or oh, a girl. Yeah, and girls are will. losers. All right, welcome to the esports <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> According to uh, the average male here, let's just say. But anyway. <laughs> In Mexico, Rocky Point, uh, downing these things left, right, and center because they taste delicious. And I'm like drunk for the first time in my life, actually, at that point. And I consciously make a decision. I'm like, you know what? One time, I'm just going to drink until I can't drink anymore. So I did. It was a conscious decision. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't even say I regretted it. I mean, at the day after, I regretted it because we were driving from Mexico back to Phoenix. It's like a three-hour drive or four hours. Not even exaggerating, the entire drive, I'm vomiting. The entire drive, every 15 minutes, I'm puking into this bag. Puking into this bag of my own puke at that point, over and over and over. And it was miserable. Like, I, it was completely miserable. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to do this again. And guess what? I never have. Now, it's not saying I haven't drank anything. But, Mm -hmm. like, I've gotten tipsy a couple times since then. That's, I'm 34, by the way. It's only been a couple times Mm -hmm. since I've been, like been going out with nikki for like six years almost i've never been drunk in front of her um right it's just it's a combination of not liking the taste and also Mm -hmm. not i'm not a fan of not being in control of your own body because of that experience like i was blackout drunk i don't remember part of the night 
I don't like that mm-hmm. at all. That makes me very uncomfortable. So I definitely stay away from alcohol for the most part. I mean, I think it's a pretty strong deterrent to be like, okay, the first time I'm going to drink, I'm just going to destroy myself. Because, <laughs> uh, you happens. know, there is, there is an in-between, <laughs> and there also is an in-between tipsy and that. But yes. if... I've been in between I mean, a few times since then. It's not like it's... Yeah, okay. Because, I mean, every, everything in moderation, right? You can also... Yeah kill yourself by drinking too much water if you if you're like okay i'm gonna try water today and i'll go as hard as i can and you're literally just I mean, drink water to give on you end. to give you an idea uh, of things that i do like though and you can go on mm-hmm. your list and we can end right. the podcast but just the girly drinks really like mm-hmm. daiquiris i love daiquiris i love wine coolers they're oh good. my god they're, they're so good. good anything with a bunch of sugar in it as long as mm-hmm. i can't taste that alcohol or it's not too strong i'm gonna love it that's basically what it comes down to apple teenies if you ever watched scrubs back in the day great tv show he loved apple teenies, and so do I. Delicious. Do you uh, do you drink beer or wine at all? No, I. So beer, I None find the most disgusting substance on earth. Wine, wow. okay. I haven't That's, tried a ton of. You're it. American. It's understandable. Have you tried beer? <laughs> Have I tried beer I'm not to- elsewhere? Not Bud Light. Okay, beer. Not, not, not. I I've tried. Yeah, if you go to like a nice restaurant where they have their own tap or whatever they call it, right? Right. I've tried, like, I haven't gotten it myself, but I've tried other people's, and no, I don't like it. And in terms of okay. wine, part of me wants to like it, but mm-hmm. I, I just don't. Because of the social connect, like the status kind uh, of? No, it's it's not sophisticated really like you. I You're a very like, sophisticated person. Well, maybe it's, it's actually hard to explain. Why didn't like, you laugh at that? that now I'm I, concerned. You I'm, think because I am a so. sophisticated person, <laughs> and that's why I didn't laugh. It's a very serious subject. But okay. like drinking a beer, not only does it make you fat, it makes you white trash. I know this is not true. but Okay. Like if you're drinking like a Bud well, Light, you don't you're, care what people think, so just do it. No, no, no I'm know? thinking about what I think of myself. And if you're drinking wine, it's, you know, it's an upscale... Maybe you are right. Maybe it is a status thing. I don't know. But don't just know. the idea of so crushing grapes and fermenting them, I feel like I should like mm-hmm. it. Beer, I can okay. understand why I don't like. You know, right? Maybe one day. Taste do change. What about you? Oh, uh, um, I think I can actually tell you which. So, like I said, I like a lot of stuff, and I don't want to go over the whole list. But I could. What we could do here is I could recommend you. Stuff that you could try if you were to, that okay. I think you would like. Sure. So if you were to have a liqueur, I think my favorite <laughs> liqueur, listen. Why did you say it okay. like that? I'm not, I'm not, I'm, huh? Liqueur? Why can't you just say yeah. liquor? Because those are two different things, right? Are they? I, it, yeah. Enlighten me. Liqueur, I don't know anything liqueur about Liqueur is a range of alcohol percentage, I think. Right? Okay. I, I think it's I two no different idea. things. Liquor, you know liquor is literally just the term for all alcohol that okay. is above whatever. But liqueur is a range, I think. Which range? Okay, the chat is telling me that I'm wrong. Or maybe they're telling you you're wrong. I mean, okay, I so, probably okay, here's wrong. My inter- I no here's idea. my interpretation of liqueur is it's below hard liquor and it's uh-huh. above wine. So it's like that range of 15 to 30%. Liqueur. Liqueur. Just yeah. sounds so pretentious. Liqueur. Yeah, very good. Whatever. My Go terminology ahead. might be off here, regardless. So there's a thing called Galliano, which I don't know if you've heard of. Maybe I've mentioned it Is to you before. Is that the chocolate? It's vanilla. Um, Close. The chocolate that you're thinking of is probably Bailey's. You might yeah, like Bailey's. that too. Yeah, Bailey's, Bailey's is pretty... Okay. It's okay. Bailey's is smooth. It goes with most people. Um, Galliano is super good. 
Um, what if I don't like it's vanilla? It's very, very good. Um, they have different flavors, but vanilla is the most famous one by far. So, so. what kind of vanilla, though? Because I hate vanilla soda, but I do like vanilla mm -hmm. ice cream. Uh, what does vanilla soda even taste like? I don't it's, know. I've never had that in my life. It is the worst substance on earth other than beer. Beer is the worst. Then vanilla soda. Then my urine. Okay. Can we talk about on. just vanilla as an ingredient, not as a soda or an ice cream? How do you like vanilla? Just the I don't taste know what it tastes like other than ice cream and in soda. Okay. It's probably good. Okay. You've I never had vanilla in any other form. I don't know. Probably. But like what? Do you what know vanilla that? beans? No. Okay. Um, maybe you'll <laughs> like this. Okay. <laughs> All right, vanilla is incredible, and you need to try it in other ways than fucking soda. <laughs> I said I like it's ice cream. It's one of my favorite tastes in the world. Vanilla, vanilla ice cream with a bunch of fudge, all right? It needs to have chocolate in the vanilla. They Vanilla by itself is incredible, man. I have it's very so good. good taste buds, all right? I'm a very high Then you will person. love vanilla. Probably. Okay, okay. I think you will like <laughs> If I had to answer your question, it's probably more like the ice cream. All right. But, Thank you. Yeah. That's all I wanted to that, know. That would be nice. Um, what else would you like? So you talked about how you don't like wine uh, that much, but you wish you did. I think yeah. if you have more of a sweet tooth, you might like port, port. or dessert wine. So... Generally, most of the when you hear wine, what you're going to be thinking of, like the default thing to think with wine is just like white wine or red wine. Right? Those are the yeah. two big ones. And then there's obviously champagne and whatnot. But uh, generally, red wine and white wine don't really have much sweetness to them. They can, but for the most part, it's more like, I, I don't know how to explain that, like put a good word on it that would make sense. But dessert wine is much sweeter. It's like more sugary. And port wine is probably my favorite wine. It's really fucking good if you get a good port. And they're a bit heavier on the alcohol, so you you know drink in moderation. But uh, port wine is is very very nice. Port uh, wine, okay. Yes. So I mean, we might you, not have as different taste wine, as you think, by the way, because you do love you cherry coke try. when you're in the U.S. We both love it. I love grin cherry grenadine. Yes, That's not cherry I mean. coke. Cherry coke's pretty meh. Coke with Brandy. cherry grenadine is the shit. It's really fucking good, right? I okay. That's that's a that's a couple of good suggestions for you. Thank Let's you not so go much. over all the stuff I like. I think. It Thank you so much. I really lot. appreciate that. Now to end yeah. the episode, as we usually do, have you watched In Bruges or Invo I was going to say Invoker. Have you seen Joker? <laughs> <laughs> I have watched Invoker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, I have played Invoker, and it was a beauty oh, to watch. Goodness. So that's yeah. great to hear. What about I would Bruce say invo my Invoker is probably the best movie of all time. <laughs> I don't know. What's that guy's uh, name? That Grimorium? Is that his name? He made some great Gr videos. Grimorum? Grimorum. Grimorum. Right. I remember Grim Remember Grimorum. No, Shannon, I've not watched them. Are you thank surprised? You, I am not surprised, and I'm more disgusted by the week. But thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. Um, we're thinking we a... about... Now we'll talk about it next week, actually, in the beginning of next week. Okay. So okay. have a good one, guys. Sindarin, it's been a real treat as always. Thank you so much for yes. not watching in Bruges. Goodbye. Bye-bye. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.